75 Hard, Chapter 1. Who am I and why should you listen to me? I'm Andy Frisella. This is the section where I establish my street cred. Let's start when I was a kid, because that's relevant. Here's the most important thing you need to know about me when I was 7, 8, 10 years old. When I was a kid, I was fat. And when I say fat, I don't mean I had a little paunch. I don't mean that I was a little pudgy. I mean I was the fully inflated Pillsbury Doughboy kind of kid that girls moved their desks to get away from and the popular kids made fun of with names like Lard Tard, Chubby Andy, and Fat Fuck. Yes, kids do use that kind of language in fourth grade. Stop being naive and wake up to reality. Since I was teased so much, you'd think I would have gotten focused and motivated to lose weight to get the approval and popularity that I desperately wanted. But I was clueless and super lazy. I always had my head in the clouds and my hand in a bag of Doritos. I will say this about myself. I did have dreams. Like most people, however, I honestly didn't think I had what it took to achieve them. In fact, I didn't even understand the concept of achievement. Like most people, I thought building a cool life was a matter of circumstance or luck or some unforeseen force that somehow through random selection for who knows what reason made certain people successful and others not. Some sort of iteration of the concept of predestination in regards to success. A force I refer to as the success fairy. And that's in quotes. Even in grade school, most of the kids I knew had some vague sense that they needed to do well in class if they had any hope of not being a total loser when they grew up. However, that whole concept was completely lost on me. I really didn't get myself to, to care about my homework any more than any kid would care about a local insurance seminar. The reality is I didn't care because if I did, I would have, I would have had to admit how hard studying was for me. Basic directions confused me. I had to read my assignments over and over again and still didn't understand what I read. The teacher would say something and I would, I would need her to repeat it, but I wouldn't raise my hand because I was embarrassed. It didn't even occur to me that I might have some sort of legit learning disability. That really wasn't a thing back then. I just assumed from the irritated and frustrated expressions on people's faces that I was clearly just lazy or dumb. Most of the time I felt like I was both. Things didn't really change as I got older. I did well enough to make it to the next grade level, but not much more. By the time I reached high school, I'd gotten into better shape and was able to do well in sports, but overeating was still a daily struggle. And I was the same old underachieving student with one exception. My junior year, I wrote a long research paper on the military aircraft of World War II. I loved working on that project because I've always really enjoyed American history and a huge respect for the armed forces. And I've always been fascinated, more like obsessed, with World War II fighter planes. So I poured myself into that assignment. I found out everything I could about the Vought F4U Corsair, the P-47 Thunderbolt, the Grumman f 6F Hellcat, 
and my absolute favorite of all time, the North American P51 Mustang. I was so engrossed in the, in the material that I wrote more and more until the paper, paper length reached 60 pages. My teacher was impressed, and I'll be honest with you, it felt good to succeed in an area of life that I thought was a lost cause. It put some hope in my heart, and I started thinking, well, I've become a decent athlete, so if I get my grades up, maybe I can play football at one of my two favorite schools, Texas or Notre Dame. Speaking of Notre Dame, you know that scene in Rudy where he's still at Joliet Catholic High School and other students are boarding the bus to visit the University of Notre Dame? He tries to get on the bus himself, but the priest stops him and says, Rudy, this is not a sightseeing tour. It's for young men and women considering becoming students at Notre Dame. Rudy responds basically saying, yeah, that's what I want to do more than anything. That's when the priest pulls him aside and shuts him down. Rudy, he says, this is for the smart kids. You don't do well in school. You'll have to do something else. I'm paraphrasing the scene. Well, guess what? That same thing happened to me. I told one of the adults at my high school, I won't say who because I don't want to I don't want to be a dick that I really wanted to play football at Texas or Notre Dame. And this guy who I really looked up to and respected said to me, "Both of those schools have academic standards, Andrew. You're not going to be able to cut it." He followed with a line I'll never forget. Those places are for cream of the crop, not regular guys. I remember legit thinking Screw you, man. One day, you're just going to regret that statement. And also at the exact same time, just feeling like a little pissed off loser kid that probably wasn't going to, sh to do shit with his life. You know, nowadays, people know me as a guy who is confident, fiery, and who has no problem telling people to fuck off when necessary. But I was just a kid back then. And what he said hurt. It stung. And it stuck. Just when I was building some confidence in that area, it, so, it sowed some doubt and discouragement. So if that's something you have experienced in your life, I get it. If you feel like you're somehow at a disadvantage because you weren't born with any sort of mental gifts or superior intelligence either, then you and I have a lot in common. That's right. I'm no Einstein. And by the way, nobody in my family was an Einstein either. Elon Musk wasn't my cousin. Steve Jobs wasn't my uncle. I came from a family that wasn't even close to perfect in either intelligence or in the way we related to each other. In fact, we were far from it. My family had and still has our share of drama and dysfunction. If I actually told you all the specifics, you'd think it was like something you'd see in a crazy old talk, talk show, Jerry Springer. I promise you wouldn't even believe me, even if I told you. I don't tell you that to make you feel sorry for me, and I don't tell you that to rip to rip on my relatives. The fact is, I believe 100% that you could speak the truth about what's screwed up in your family and still love being a part of it. You can acknowledge the people that are messed up and still love and appreciate them. I tell you that about my family because I'm guessing many of you can relate. Your family tree is probably full of deadbeat dads, crackhead uncles, and juvenile delinquent cousins. You share DNA with scammers, sluts, blue-collar buffoons, and white-collar criminals. 
The conversations you've had with relatives could be part of a reality show script. The things you've seen in your family could be recorded and go viral in a couple of minutes. That's why I want to tell you, I get it. I was and am in the same boat as you might be. I don't have royal blood in my veins, so I am very, very confident that there's nothing you faced growing up that I didn't. But I did have one huge, incredible go-to resource in my family that maybe you didn't. A great dad. A dad who taught me life-changing lessons. A dad who knew that he needed to drill hard truths into my head over and over and over again until they finally took. And that ends chapter one of the 75 hard book. And my initial thought to this, this chapter, and I'm just reading this for the first time along. I was like, yeah, this, this guy's probably going to go with um, the story of how he grew up and how his life was kind of miserable and turned it all around. And then I got thinking, like, he's right. Everybody's life is kind of miserable at some point. And I can definitely relate to the feeling of discouragement growing up, especially in regards to academics. And, and I'll be honest, when I was a kid and I was in school, especially younger, like first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, even like I excelled at, at everything from math, English, science, history, sports, everything except the social side. And then it got time to start doing like actual work, like, like the using your creative, you know, process and, and, um, and, you know, things like reports and writing and longer homework assignments. And, and I really was, was fucking bored of that stuff. And so I didn't, I didn't do much of it, let alone do it well. I actually had my mother help me by, oh, she actually wrote everything. And, and it's interesting because I knew all the information. Like I remember doing some, some like history homework when I was in like third grade or something. And I would tell my mom what to write because when I would write, I just get annoyed. My handwriting was terrible and, and my hand would start to hurt and you would notice it. And even to this day, and I'm 30 years old, like I'll, if I start writing on a page, you'll see the handwriting change over like line to line. And it looks like different people wrote it. So I, I just had her write it. And I, even to this day, like I, I just despise writing. Um, when I have to yet I'll sit, I'll actually sit and journal and I'll sit and, and write, but I'll do it on my terms, you know, a little bit at a time for the same reason, studying and research and things like that just weren't interesting to me. I learned really quickly by listening and by observing though. And because of that, I was able to get really good scores on tests. And if you look back on my high school transcripts where you talk to any of my high school teachers, like I, I didn't, I didn't do any assignments unless they were in class. And then I would do 
exceptionally well on them. And then my tests were, you know, top, top tier. Scored well on the SAT, the ACT, whatever those tests are. What held me back was my, <laughs> my willingness to do what I'm told and do what others expected of me. I like to do things on my own terms. I like to take the information that's given to me and kind of reinterpret it, put a different spin on it. In my opinion, do it better without wasting time. Do it more efficiently. When I was in college, I remember um, one of my music classes. It was all research-based at that point because we were so far in. And, and I loved taking the class because I really enjoyed learning. And I, you know, music history to me is amazing. Just watching the progression of creativity over time and getting to like dive into what people were thinking and feeling when they wrote something or, you know, the process they used. I really enjoyed it. And I could devote so much time if I was sitting in the classroom and that's all I could do. And, and you know, we had the inspiration. We had the, the professor. I had all the other students. And we would be able to play and I would, you know, be able to read and write and play music really well in class. And then, you know, obviously we were required to, hey, go home and write a paper. I remember one class every other week we had to write like a four-page paper. Um excerpts from a book that we were reading or, or a piece of music we had to um, dissect and, and um, analyze. <laughs> and I just didn't do it. Oh, man. It was funny because I, I remember looking at the book that I had just bought at the, the bookstore at the school. And you know those college textbooks. Even if they're these little um, like 100-page books – you know, it was like 80 bucks, hundred dollars. And I'm looking at this damn book that I just bought. And I'm like, I'm not even going to open this thing. I'm not even going to read it. Um, which is a huge problem. I, I, I see like, like I'm at a point now where I want to open a book and read, but I just learned, I, I learned better in a different way. And what I want to take away from this chapter, um, and, and moving forward is that just because you, don't fit in or like maybe you don't mesh with the norm doesn't mean you're you're dumb or you're less worthy and you shouldn't be discouraged the truth is and this they don't tell you this when you're growing up they don't teach this in school unfortunately the truth is everyone learns differently interprets life differently and everyone has the same capability to be great I'm sure we'll learn more about um, Andy Frisella in the book. I bet that he learned that same lesson at some point. He, and then he just put his head down and grinded, but he did it the way that he knew how to, not the way that someone else was trying to push him to. So if you feel stuck and if you feel like you're being held back by something, it might not be because you're dumb, because you're not dumb. No one's fucking dumb. You might be misunderstood. You might misunderstand. You might have some ego you need to deal with. But you're not dumb. 
And once you figure out what works for you, how you learn, how you read, how you interpret, how you can teach people, do that thing, block out all the other noise and get on with it. And for the 75 hard, it'll be a really good lesson for you because all you have to do is block out the noise, put your head down and do it. And you can interpret this challenge thing however you'd like. You do have to stick to it 100%. But there is some room for, room for interpretation on how you get the most out of it. Right? That's up to you. So that's chapter one. If you uh, decided to join in, uh, I'm going to actually create a Facebook group and just a place where we can get together with other people that are also doing the challenge along with you and and chat and share ideas, share workouts, things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think it'll be a great way to connect and keep each other accountable. So uh, hit me up if you are if you want to get in on that group and I'll be sending out some workouts and stuff pretty soon. We got the challenge that we are officially starting in 10 days, January 1st. That's when I'm officially putting it on the calendar. Although the past couple of weeks, I've been essentially ramping up. I'm smart when it comes to certain things and I know my body and I know how, you know, things should go when it comes to, to training. And it just didn't make sense to me to go right into two workouts a day. So what I decided to do is ramp that up a little slower so that when I get to it, it's not going to utterly destroy me. And I'm actually going to get like good workouts in and get used to it. So I started doing two workouts um, a day and I would do that two or three days in a row. Then I would do one workout or I would take a day off. Right now I'm on uh, a one workout day. Tomorrow is going to be an off day. And I, I think this is going to really help me um, kind of recalibrate and, and keep myself healthy while I go in and go hard on two workouts a day. And the hardest part so far has been water. Um, my wife got this big gallon size thing that says times on it. And she's really good about, you know, hitting, you know, a few ounces, it's like 20 ounces or something before 7am. And then she'll do another 20 ounces. <clears throat> I have bottles that I just chug down. They're about a liter each, a little more than a liter each. If you fill them to the top Four of those is a gallon and I, I get through it. Um, I have a glass here too. So probably more. It's just remembering for me. So if you want in on that group, if you have any questions, any comments, uh, let me know. And hey, why don't you tell me what's what do you think is going to be your biggest challenge? Maybe we could help you out. Thanks for listening.